Hello. 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 How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm practicing good microphone technique today. Oh, I, I can tell. <laughs> I, I'm very, I'm very, uh, um, I had to, I had to adjust it. It's right by my, my mouth. It is pointed directionally at where I'm talking from, which, which would be my mouth. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm very, I'm very excited to have discovered this. Uh, I went back and listened. I, I the listeners probably don't fully know this, but I, uh, I edit, um, the, uh, the show, uh, audio, sometimes I, I, I do it kind of slow, like we record and and then I don't do it for a while. Um, and then, uh, my, my new year's resolution is to, um, to post stuff as soon as we, we get done. Um, so it starts with today, but I listened to a couple of shows ago where I discovered how poorly my microphone technique has been for like a hundred shows. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, yeah, it was, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know what I was doing. So, well, and I apologize because I really should have, uh, I should have called you out because I, you, did, yes. you know, I'm listening to hundred percent of these shows once. Yes. Yes. Right. 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 Yes. All the, the way in through the, in the, yeah. In the, in the real, in the real time in, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I almost texted you a couple minutes ago, um, <laughs> and said, Hey, do you have a heart out? Um, and the reason why is, uh, I don't know if you know this, uh, Don, but I'm, mm. I'm, I'm very, I'm very much into hockey. <laughs> oh, I also, you're a department head. I, I figured I was probably even no. odds, whether it was going to be department head or hockey related is hockey related. So, so, uh, this time of year, I I'm sure for those who've listened to the show for a while, I've mentioned this to you in the past, but, but I'll remind you cause, cause we don't, we don't talk about it um every show but but annually there's a there's a um international um world junior hockey championship tournament that happens over the holidays mm. that uh is a big um a big viewing appointment viewing uh situation for not only my family but for a lot of Canadians and our mm-hmm. friend Michelle Michelle Danluck mm-hmm. um uh and uh and so the quarterfinals the the tournament is being played in Sweden this year mm-hmm. uh the quarterfinals are happening today there's four quarterfinal games uh Canada just finished playing uh Czech Czechia Czechia I think there's an n in there no 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 that's no? a different country Czechia. oh shoot yeah so the Czech Republic is what we used to call it but now it is known as Czech Czechia that is the and okay. I, I will yeah uh, I I have learned this mm. because um the uh really because the World Junior Hockey Championship has has told me all about it um and it is uh the, we we I I know I know about uh, many many countries in in the world that are hockey playing countries because of uh because of listening to hockey games so anyway what according to the wikipedia page um the czech republic which is also known as czechia czechia yep yes um also was historically known as bohemia which i've never referred to it as that you know um so uh we played uh we the canadians my my (laughs) my my country you uh, and your family me and my family (laughs) We were out on the ice. It was a little bit. It's a little bit cold. I'm just coming <laughs> off, I'm a little sweaty. Uh, we uh, we lost uh, we lost the game with 11 seconds to go. So oh so no, I, I started constructing a text to you at 
10.53 a.m. here mm. uh, on mm-hmm. uh, Tuesday, January 2nd. Mm-hmm. And uh, it said uh, along the lines of, hey, do you have a hard out? Because this hockey game is about to go <laughs> into overtime. <laughs> and before I could hit send, oh, because I, no, it I started, oh. Don, I started typing that with 23 seconds left in the game. And oh, I thought no. it's 2-2. Two, two. It's been 2-2 two, two oh, for no. the majority of the game. And before I could hit send, uh, a, a a puck went off of one of our defensemen into the net. Uh, Eleven mm. seconds to go, game's over. So, oh man. It, so here's the thing. There, some I don't know if it, um, I know you're not you're not uh, into the sports sports ball world, but I know I know Kristen really is. And yeah, um, but not junior hockey. No, 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 no. But but I want I, you. You have a little bit of homework today. <laughs> So I'm I, I'm a little bit relieved that this is over because okay. I invest a lot of time into it and it's oh, all good. Mm-hmm. It's all good when when it's when it's vacation holiday time. But but I'm I'm back to we're, we're, like the university's open. I'm back to work. I'm recording yeah. podcasts with you. Yeah. yeah. And had we had had we gone to a semifinal game. That would have been on Thursday this week, and it would have been either at eight thirty in the morning or one thirty in the afternoon. Because I've done my I've done my homework, right? I've looked mm-hmm. at all this stuff. Yep, yep. And and I, I've got a I got a I, my whole day is planned on on January fourth. Like, and it didn't involve oh, right. watching a hockey game for two. Yeah, hours. yeah, yeah. And then had we gone to the finals, that would have been at one thirty on Friday, and I got two things going on. Uh, at two o'clock and one at four o'clock on Friday that, that also were like a part of my schedule. And so I don't have to reschedule those things. <laughs> so what you're yeah. saying is you'll, you'll happily push a podcast with me, um, for, but, but by other minutes. things, on <laughs> yeah, <laughs> other things, not other things. Yeah. Well, and but for you, I would have, I would have said, Hey, can you push by 15 minutes? Cause overtime is mm-hmm. only 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there would have been a shootout. So maybe it would have been 20 minutes because, you know, my 10 minutes right. is 20 minutes. Right. Well, that's fine. I, you know, okay. here's the thing, Ben. I uh, I settled in. Um, I was on time today. Oh, you were I early. In. I Well, I was early. Right. Uh, but I I you know, because here's the thing I, I could I, what I said, what I said I was going to do is I was going to uh, stretch my legs. I was going to get a soda and then there was some uh, or uh, not a soda, uh, a um, carbonated water. Um and, um, and then I had uh, like, uh, some dog food came. So I was just like do, puttering around doing house stuff. Um, yeah. and then I was going to settle in a few minutes early and maybe do some emails or at least, uh, you know, clean things up on my computer or on my physical desk here. Um, and I didn't really do too much of that. I did take some stuff off my desk and throw it into uh, a box on the floor, um, which is, which is counts as straightening up. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then I'm just, I'm just settling in and, uh, ready. You know, one thing I will say, we have talked about the world junior championships before. We have. Um, and I do, I do want to call them out for happening at the right time of year for hockey championships, because probably we won't have the Stanley cup until what October this year. Right. It, it's a long time. <laughs> it's always later. So some, yeah. Every year it gets a, a couple months later. A little bit some later, years, yeah. Some years, hockey, it, hockey, it, hockey it, is a cold weather sport, Ben. You shouldn't be playing it in the summer. You should not. I, I my if I if I ran the hockey world, uh, I would say nothing after let's say the spring equinox. You know, like that's I think you know probably the latest that you could ever have a hockey game. Anything after yeah. March twenty first, forget it. That's not hockey anymore. That's some different sport. The ice is all melted. 
you know, it just doesn't make any sense. But this, this, this is when, you know, J uh, June, not June, January, the other J month, uh, January, January is when we should be having hockey championships. Right. Well, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, the NHL, um, it's it's so late now that it almost stretches. You know, it, we don't even play the championship until the next season has already started, which is it's a, it's a problem, right? You, uh, so, but I I I personally really like uh, um, the uh, June hockey uh, championship situation because I like being mm. outside watching hockey. Uh, like the tailgate uh, here in in uh, North Carolina, where where I mean you can do that in the winter, but it's so much nicer in June. Um, so uh, we have there, you know, a a couple of uh, um, situations uh, going on. The World Junior Hockey Championships. Uh, the thing with this that is, um, it's great, and and like the world of hockey is committed, is that it happens in the middle of the season and it's the best players. It's a, it's a best on best, which doesn't happen all the time for, for hockey. Um, in fact, it's, it's been only a few uh, Olympic games where we've been able to have the best on best players because of like deals with the NHL and, and it, it, it and it happens in the middle of um uh, of the uh, of the season. So what happens with world junior hockey is that these players who are the, the best leave their teams, their junior hockey teams or their college hockey teams in the middle of their season uh, for oh, wow. a few. Yeah. For a few weeks, like uh, the selection camp um, starts uh, um, in sort of early December. And, uh, and then, um, you know, the, the tournament goes until the fifth or sixth of January. Um, and so that's, it's like a month that these, uh, that these players are, and, and they are like, you know, often are the top scorers or captains on their team. So that's the, uh, you know, the, the, the leagues don't pause for this, um, where the NHL has paused the league when NHL players go to go to play in the Olympics. Right. Oh, so let me the, just to, to close the, close the loop as they say on this, um, uh, my my question for for you to ask Kristen is if if she's mm. really cheering for someone in in uh, you know the um, you know the sports that she watches the you know the track and field and winter sports and all, all that stuff and they don't make the finals um, is there ever a relief that she doesn't have to invest the time in it <laughs> because because like that's what it, like I that's what I feel right now like it's it's a bittersweet like I. I, I certainly would have loved to cheer on and, and invest my time, but also I'm a little bit relieved that I don't have to reschedule things. Um, I would say I, I can answer that probably without talking to her. And I, I think I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably correct. I would say that she does not really experience that um, to any great degree because she's really just there for the sport, right? It's, it's track and field or it's, it's uh, the Olympics or it's figure skating. And she's just there Yes, she might be rooting for somebody, but she's just really there to watch the sport. I think I think she is kind of relieved at the end of the Olympics where it's like, OK, wow, whew, I got my life back. I don't have to avoid uh, reading the headline news to be spoiled. Uh, I don't have this huge time commitment. I've got some I've got some more time back in my day. So I would say she experiences what you're talking about, but not in exactly the way that you experience it. Just a, oh, good. I've got my life back now.
you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, it is yeah. all, it, it is all consuming. I mean, you know, when Olympics, when the Olympics are here, man, the Olympics are here and, and, you know, we're just locked down for, you know, yeah. however that, however long that is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit like that. So, so here's, so I say all this, right. And what I'm, um, next, next year, we're going to, we need to plan for this now, Don, um, mm. the world junior hockey championships are occurring in Canada, in Ottawa. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's been in Canada last year. They were in Canada. They move around um, every year, but Canada and the U.S. have hosted a number of times, mainly because it's it's a much bigger tournament mm-hmm. in Canada than it is in Europe. Um, so it, it oh, they okay. yeah they right yeah so it, it part of it is that like junior hockey. Um, I, I've I mentioned this to a few folks recently. Um, I uh, at Thanksgiving, I had the chance to go to um, a college football game with my father-in-law and my my um, I guess uncle-in-law, my my Danny Danny's uncle, mm-hmm. and so we went to an NC State football game. And they their college sports in Canada are not a thing. You know, I, I think I mentioned that to you before, right? Like it's it's not there. There's nothing that that happens. Uh, like I mean, my University of Guelph football games. I went to probably five of them in my 10 years that I was on campus. And there was, I was one of like a handful of people there, maybe, maybe like 300 people. Um, Not like, so, so all right. College sports in Canada is not big. Even, even hockey, even hockey because, because Mm. um, the really good hockey players don't play college hockey in Canada. They've oh. either played junior hockey, which is professional, at mm. the age of fifteen, um, to you. It's fifteen to nineteen. So the really, mm. really good hockey players um, leave home. Uh, they go uh, billet with a family in another town, um, and they start playing. And it's I'll put professional in air quotes. They get a stipend. They get meals. Um, you know, they they are they are paid. They're not paid like like NHL players, but those individuals lose their um, amateur sports eligibility at that, right. at that right. time. So, so if you go play junior hockey in Canada, you, you cannot then go to play NCAA hockey, right. you know, like right. here in the U S um, and then college hockey is kind of a place for players to go after they have kind of maxed out their, their junior hockey and professional hockey professional um ceiling so mm. so again like i mean going to a hockey game um there would be I, I mean maybe 40 people would go to a university of guelph hockey game when i was there wow and it was like friends and family it was like going to um like a club hockey game here now where my kids play it so yeah. yeah so so we don't so and so what what is really big is junior hockey so the um uh when i lived in in guelph uh, I had season tickets for the Guelph Storm, and they're a junior hockey um, uh, you know, franchise that that's been there for probably forty years would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so so we we'll like I and I you know uh, what I, the cost of hockey tickets to go to the to the Guelph Storm for the tickets that I had, which were like in the fifth row, was mm-hmm. I could when I moved here to North Carolina, I could get. It was like on par with the 
um, top level of the uh, the um, at the time I think it was it was not called PNC but whatever the the arena is here like I think it was like eight hundred bucks a season for the tickets and then I could get Carolina Hurricanes professional NHL tickets for like eight hundred bucks a, t- a season mm. and the you know so so it's like that's much 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 bigger so that all being said when it's when this tournament happens in Canada because people are really invested in junior hockey. It brings lots of people out. It gets like it's major TV watching over the holidays. People get up, you know, what what for us, we I think we had to get up for a a 7:30 a.m. game to watch because they're in Sweden this year. Anyway, next year when it's on Ottawa, I have put my name into a lottery to get tickets to go to it. And I've never, I've never been. Um, and so so we might have to plan for that because I might be watching watching junior world junior hockey championships for a couple of weeks in uh at the end of uh well over the holidays in 24 25 so anyway that was like a long about roundabout way to tell you that (laughs) the long roundabout way of telling me that something is going to have to be done next year this time and you're going to schedule it in the future (laughs) yeah yeah right yeah yeah that that's it and that there's nothing we can do about it now because i don't even know i'm a little bit but just like almost texting you, hey, we might have to push this. And then the game is over by the time I hit send on that text. I may not even get tickets and it might not. It might be a moot point. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's like a big I don't know. It's like a big part of my nostalgia and growing up is watching this game. Like I I remember um, watching with my grandparents like when I was probably six or seven years old. I used to spend a couple of weeks with them over the holidays. And we, and when the, when the tournament was in Europe, it was this like, okay, let's get up. And sometimes like if it's in Russia, um, it, it would be at like four o'clock in the morning, Canada would play. And so we're up and everybody's, you know, eating breakfast in front of the TV, watching these hockey games that are happening, um, you know, uh, in, 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 in Europe. So anyway, that's, uh, that, that, that's what I've been, uh, that, that's what I did this morning. It's what I've been doing all, all holiday. Cool. Um, so I have some stuff I, I want, I, did you, what, what's, did you have any food safety things happen to you over the, uh, uh, over the holidays? Oh, any, oh, well, I, there, there was something, um, but it's for risky or not. And I have oh, not okay. put it into the sheet yet. And well, save it for uh, the show. yeah, save it for the show. Right. Um, we did, we did get some, really interesting uh feedback over the break about an outbreak uh in the uk that's going on right now um we did we did also get some um comments about a a not a very well-written extension fact sheet from our colleague (laughs) michelle daniluk which we may or may not want to discuss um and then i i really i am meant to talk about this on the last show um, and I just forgot, but again, I am absolutely loving, um, um, the food section by Hannah Raskin, oh, uh, yeah. which you introduced me to, I read it every, you know, as soon as it comes out, uh, I try to read it that same day and, and she has, uh, just an outstanding, um, article, um, with the headline vegan meat company claws its way forward. And it, it was, it is a roller coaster of an article. And I just, I thought it would be fun to talk about because it is, um, it is somewhat related. It's certainly related to the food industry, uh, and, and somewhat related to food safety or at least entrepreneurs in the food industry, which is, which is a, an audience that you and I interact with on a regular basis. And so those, 
those are kind of the 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 things that uh, are top of mind for me to talk about today. Well, let's talk about let's talk about the food section. So I did, I missed this um, this one. So tell me, uh, I, I've now found the the article from Hannah. Mm-hmm. Um, former no evil workers accused North Carolina founders of skirting accountability. So what's going on here with the no evil? Well, speaking uh, speaking of entrepreneurs, I'm getting a call from somebody that I've been working with over the holiday break uh, with oh. a food safety problem, but I am not going to take that call. So yeah, let me. Um, I saved. Oh, you know, I this this I have this thing that is happening now um, where I don't know what there is something that has changed in the way PD. I often will if I see an article that looks interesting, a web page and an uh, web article that looks interesting, I will print it um, um, as a PDF and put it in the Dropbox folder. And sometimes um, it does not print the entire article, and I can't quite figure out why. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll, I've got, but anyway, now I've stalled long enough. I've got the article up, but let me, let me talk about this. So first of all, um, this is, um, uh, let's see. So, uh, where do we, where do we start with this? Um, so, uh, well, again, it, it, of course it talks about, it opens up by talking about new restaurants in, uh, Asheville, um, uh, which is of course, you know, always fun to talk about Asheville, which is like, kind of like the, I don't know, the hate Asbury of, uh, of North Carolina. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there was a, uh, something that, so there was a company, uh, called No Evil. And it ha- and this isn't talking about something that happened in 2022. Sorry, 2020. Um, it was huge local news, um, but uh, but but again, this didn't really make the the national news at all. And so, um, this is a company that started as a retail outlet uh, stand at the North Asheville Tailgate Market in 2014. And of course, this is a, a wonderful sort of success story for a company that's doing good things, right? Um, they uh, are, um, you know, making uh, meatless meat and, you know, everybody loved them. But then all of a sudden something, uh, something very, very weird happened, uh, which is that um, the the company just suddenly closed up shop. And, you know, it, this is a, a company that was going great. It was the hottest trend of, read again, reading from the article, the hottest trend of 2017 um uh and and again it's uh somebody talking about um um you know the the amazing food that they're making um and so what happened so with within a year uh the this company no evil grows its retail outlet list from 200 stores in the southeast to 1200 stores across the country. So again, just to get the time frame right, they're they're a retail stand in 2014. Um they they grow, they they get uh, onto 200 stores in the southeast. Now they're in 1200 stores across the country. They're hiring workers. Um they uh by late spring of 2019, uh the product is showcased at the first plant-based food expo in New York City. Um they've got they're now they're in 5000 stores nationwide. Everybody is loving them. Um, you know, again, other stuff is, is going on around the same time. Burger King is selling impossible uh, burgers, uh, impossible Whoppers made with the impossible burger. Again, that's not related to this, but again, it's part of this whole um, uh, snowball effect with these uh, with these plant based meats. 
Um, and so uh, let's see. Uh, okay, and I'm reading from the article again. Around the same time, uh, Danielle Keeter came across an ad for a production job at No Evil Foods, which had just moved into a leased 16,000 square foot production facility in Weaverville, north of Asheville. Um, and again, th this this company is growing like crazy. Um, they need uh, they need to hire people, and so again, they they hire these people. Um, there's the, the this person who's interviewed for the story, Danielle Keeter, is a vegetarian, uh, but then become becomes a vegan, and and again is 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 all in on on this kind of thing. Um, but then let's see. Um, uh, yeah, so she was so fond of her coworkers and the free vegan snack station that she persuaded her partner to apply for a job there too. Over time, though, she began to sus suspect that the business suspect that the business wasn't run like other places where she'd work and not in a good way. For one thing, a pair of colleagues had been fired; they claimed without warning. Um, uh, at that point in 2019, uh, no evil didn't have a formal disciplinary procedures, but it just sort of is a family like atmosphere, open door policies. Um, uh, but again, not really anybody there, um, uh, in charge of HR. Um, yeah. So, uh, again, another yeah. person, a longtime vegan, uh, is so impressed that he gives up his sales position, uh, a senior or a sales position, a senior living facility, and he goes to work for hourly wage. But again, he begins to notice that things are a little weird. Um, and this is the, one of the first things that caught my attention. Um, workers wear ski goggles for eye protection. Um, and then he was, the same person is also worried about plunging his hands into a cleaning solution. Uh, so corrosive that it burned holes in his gloves. Oh, that's not good. Um, that's not, that's so, not good yeah, at all. It's it's not it's not good, Ben. And it just kind of goes down downhill from there. Um, they uh, they try uh, to unionize. Um, uh, you know, because there's a lot of sort of maybe shady stuff going on here. And um, so yeah, maybe a union is the way to fix this. Uh, most workers um uh, like their jobs, but they still wanted a union. Um. And then, um, uh, yeah, it, again, it, go, it kind of goes on from there. Um, let me find some other relevant stuff. Um, oh, yeah. And so the, 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 the two owners are, are really seem to be quite bewildered and, and not really keen on having people unionize, even though they are kind of, you know, lefty liberal types who might normally be in favor of that. Um, yeah, it's, um, huh. it kind of goes on from there. Um, uh, yeah, lots of posting stuff on, on social media. Um, uh, and then eventually employees really start to get pretty fed up and begin to file complaints with the national labor relations board. Um, uh, and, uh, and then again, and then the, the, the feds basically say, oh yeah, these uh, people were illegally terminated, uh, because they tried to form a union. Um, the, the people who, who brought the, the charges, uh, end up settling. Um, but again, um, it, it's, it's just, and then of course we get into a pandemic, uh, uh, the, the popularity of fake meat is, is on the rise, on the rise, on the rise, on the rise. And of course, anytime something goes like that, it's going to come down. And so then all of a sudden fake meats popularity peaks a little bit. And then people are realize, yeah, I don't really like this fake meat stuff. I'd rather have the real stuff. Right. Um, and yeah, it just kind of, it just kind of goes on from there, um, you know, battling out in the court. And, and, and again, and in the end, the company just ends up basically shuttering, um, you know, closing their doors, uh, because they can't, 
basically handle scaling up to uh, be a large uh, business. They're, they're humans. They made some mistakes. They grew very, very quickly. Um, uh, yeah. So um, it, it, it was a very interesting story about how hard it is to actually make a uh, start a food company and, and take it to success, even when everything is going your way. So oh. yeah, anyway. Well, that's, that's cool. Um, so this reminds me of something that I wanted to chat to you about, mm-hmm. um, which is an article that came across. Um, I, I didn't do a lot of like food safety reading over the break, but I did some like, you know, news reading uh, and, and I tried to catch up on a bunch of um, articles or not like um, uh, publications that I like that I like to read. So there was something that was in Wired. Um, then I'm going to sh- send you the show, this, uh, note for th- in mm-hmm. the chat. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Um, and it was something that I had never heard of before. So, okay. You're familiar with, uh, with McDonald's with, I the, am. <laughs> with the company McDonald's. I am. Um, and we know some of their food safety folks. Um, mm-hmm. what I was not familiar with what, well, and so are you also familiar of the, um, the internet, trope i guess that uh the mcdonald's ice cream machine is always broken yes i am in fact i think people have even made websites to tell people where you can check to see whether the mcflurry machine is working or not yeah so Um, yeah so one one thing that i was unfamiliar with was that a company called kitch k-y-t-c-h created what they describe as a ice cream and McFlurry machine hack. And they have like an attachment that, um, so I'll read from the, the, uh, uh, wired article here, a kitsch device would essentially hack into the ice cream machines, internals, mm-hmm. monitor its operations and say, send diagnostic data over the internet to an owner or manager to help keep it running. That's all the information we have. Okay. So mm-hmm. I don't know what that diagnostic information is. Um, I went to to sort of find this company, uh, um, Kitsch, uh, and I'll I'll send you their their website. It gives you a little more detail on this. It connects your ice cream machine and provides remote control, real time data and analytics, and AI powered predictive maintenance. So I, I guess the idea is um, y- you will know more about what's happening. So your machine will be online more. Okay. Okay. Uh, so here, happier customers, greater revenue, easy to install, eliminate costly repairs with Kitsch, find out what's wrong in advance, saving money for what what's important instead of fruitless technician bills and total control at all time. It's just like, so I, this, this kind of stuff, um, like, I, I don't know. It, it It's, this is the kind of stuff that excites me. Right. Cause this is, it's like someone who's taken and, and th- this is particularly for, I think it's Taylor products. So it's like yep. an add on that you yep. can put in. Okay. But apparently, according to, um, uh, to, to this wired article, McDonald's doesn't like this. Right. Um, and Taylor and they, doesn't like it either. Yeah. Right. Right. Taylor doesn't like it. McDonald's doesn't like it. And but they've they've said that it's a safety hazard for staff. So when you talked about um, the uh, uh, no evil, right. um, uh, you know, aspect that made me think of this. So so the idea is that the um, uh, 
McDonald's and um, Taylor say, let me just find the, the part here around. Um, it represents a safety hazard. Um, and, uh, McDonald's sent an email to their, to their franchises, warning its franchisees not to use it, stating that it, it created the safety hazard for staff. Um, and the safety hazards, um, include, include, uh, and this is a quote from McDonald's, this, this email from McDonald's creates a potential for very serious safety risk for the crew or technician attempting to clean or repair the machine. Finally, could cause serious human injury, um, and it, it, because it, the idea is that if you hotwire this, uh, you know, or hotwire is my my term, hack it, mm -hmm. um, it might, um, uh, it, you know, it, uh, create a, a situation where the machine will turn on um, by itself while someone's hands are in there. Like that's mm. that's the idea. And so Kitsch is kind of arguing that Taylor's manual advises unplugging the machine before servicing it. Um, but this, I, I got interested in this because you and I have been talking over the last, I don't know, six or so months, maybe not that long, but about ice cream machines, Taylor machines particularly, and how hard it is to clean and sanitize them mm, yes. um, because of Listeria. And, and then, you know, I like, I, I wonder <laughs> if, without knowing the details of this kitchen again i couldn't find anything more than what they have on their website i wonder i wonder if there's like a um a food safety situation here right like if if somehow this you know this hack allows them to know whether there's buildup within the the machine at all like what that preventative maintenance you know data analytics and cloud yeah, what what would it say? AI cloud uh, real time data analytics um, for predictive maintenance uh, is if it's if it's got a food safety aspect or not. So yeah, so I don't know anything about it. But had you heard about this at all? I th I think this came this whole idea of hacking these uh, milkshake machines definitely um, uh, definitely came across my radar before. I think probably. Um, the and we'll link to the uh, mcbroken.com website, um, <laughs> which basically tells you uh, for nearby McDonald's uh, is the ice cream machine broken or not, um, which is which is great. Um, and yeah, and it gets into a little bit of like in industrial uh, espionage or industrial, you know, uh, in, in you know in and out back and forth. There's a a link. The that Wired article links to an earlier Wired article from November where they talk about this as part of the lawsuit. Um, they've got uh, uh, court documents that have been released uh, showing that while Taylor actually views Kitsch as a business threat, and what they want to do is they want to basically copy the Kitsch device, um, uh, you know, with a or, or copy the the device's features in a competing product. Um, all without actually still fixing <laughs> McDonald's problems, right? So, although again, by, according to the McBroken website, uh, it looks like uh, there's you, there, you don't there's no short there, there's certainly plenty of places that have broken ice cream machines, but there's also no shortage of working ice ice cream machines at least around around me. So, um, uh, but but obviously um, enough of a problem that it. I mean, you know, this is a it's a little embarrassing, I think, for McDonald's to have these ice cream machines that are that are obviously. Um, you know, broken a significant amount of the time. So, yeah. Well, yeah. and so this was a conversation that I've had at a couple of food safety meetings um, recently. And, and it seems to be pretty known within the, not just the quick serve area, 
but full service um, restaurants that these ice cream machines are not only temperamental, but it's it's really difficult to um, really difficult to clean and service them correctly, which is you know what 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 predictable predictably is leading to the potential for listeria built you know listeria niches establishing themselves within within these machines and um and it's really complicated to kind of take them apart and there's like a whole bunch of different o-rings that need to be um taken off of uh valves and nozzles and there's a number of different brushes that are needed to remove um any of the the buildup and and biofilm and and so just like anecdotally talking with some folks in the food food world and it's not just the tailor machines it's kind of like all of them they they are often are down because someone has taken it apart to clean it and has not put it back together correctly and it's leaking or it's um it's it's not operational which i think is really like I don't know. That's a problem, right? Like we, someone, someone's got to figure this out. So I, I don't, I don't know. I thought it was really interesting to, that, that we've been talking about that for a while. And then that, that article just kind of came across my radar. Well, and um, I'll say too, this is, this is not just limited to fast food and it's not just limited to Taylor and it's not just limited to ice cream machines, right? Right. This right. is a common problem. And I'm just doing a quick search to see if I can find any relevant articles um, on deli slicers, right? Yep. So we had, yep. again, also listeria monosatogenes, right? And so, yeah, it turns out, um, you know, it's really hard to clean some deli slicers. And so finding a way, finding a, designing a deli slicer that works, that's efficient to use, and that you can easily clean, that turns out to be a rather difficult job, in part because I think for many years, the cleanability of these machines, and still to this day, obviously, cleanability of these machines um, is secondary to all of the other components, which is which is all well and good until you have a listeria outbreak. So, right. uh, yeah. Um. Okay, so uh, next thing I want to talk to you about is robots. Oh, nice. So you love a good story. Yeah. I just sent you a link. I don't think you're going to be able to open it because it's in Apple Apple news, News, but it's Apple news, like plus, you know, uh, and Apple news max where I couldn't find this article um, anywhere. I like it's, yeah, it's like from a magazine that Apple news subscribe, like allows me to subscribe to. So it's, I can can read the headline. It says founding food bots or robotic waiters to uh, autonomous, uh, delivery trucks, how robots are upgrading the way we get our food. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm down for this, but you're going to have to, it's from Canadian business. Yes. Um, right. So, so, um, it's, it's like a timeline that I thought was kind of like interesting. So I'll read you some of this. It's very, it's a short article. So in 1954, Mm -hmm. the first modern robot is created, um, at a cocktail party in Connecticut, inventor, George Duvall shared with physicist Joseph Engelberger that he was patenting schematics for a first of its kind mechanical arm. um, And it was used for um, a a New Jersey die casting plant, um, increasing productivity. Then 1983, um, the first uh, two um, uh, robots that appeared in restaurants as waiters were there. Uh, were were created, which I didn't know that. So it goes the uh, the uh, um this was in uh guests at two panda deli in Pasadena, California were greeted by Japanese made bots. 
Um, they were $20,000 each. They were four and a half feet tall. And they scooted around with trays of food while spouting English, Japanese, and Spanish and occasionally playing disco, which that sounds, seems like a fun robot. Um, uh, and then, but uh, however, they often drop food, misunderstood customers' requests and spun out of control due to radio interference. So, so fun, but maybe not super practical. Um, right. Then they talk about, you know, in the 2000s, dairy production getting automated with robots and milking, then agricultural drones um, in the mid 2000s or mid like 20, 20 aughts. Is that what, what what would you call it? Like what's 2006 to you? Is that the mid 2000s or is the mid 2000s like 2050? I don't know. Yeah. It's not the mid. Um, It it would be the the aughts. Yeah. The aughts. Yeah. Um, Then they talk about harvesting robots and 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 the idea here is that they talk about this as here are some ideas but it's not working like that um harvesting robots struggle to id id ripeness um and and so they show some pictures of blueberries that um were were incorrectly harvested you know but, but like hey there's a lot of potential here um so so here's the um the, the at the end they ask um experts um, uh, well, they, they give like a little bit of fact, like 2000, the number of burgers, a robotic chef can cook per day, double that of a human. Okay. So that, there's no reference for that, but that's just something that Canadian business says that they, that they know. Okay. Um, but they have this thing at the end of ask the experts. So they ask William Mellick engineering professor at the university of Waterloo. Um, how will the food industry change with automation in the future? And so his quote is, here's a potential scenario. You're sitting in your office using an app to pre-order your power lunch at a restaurant. You arrive at the restaurant to find your food ready at your table. A fleet of robots is preparing all of these orders powered by AI. So throughput is higher because you can minimize idle time and fulfill orders, even if the kitchen is understaffed. And I read that and I thought, that already kind of happens now without robots, right. Right? right? Like that's that, like I, I would have thought robots would have been a little more exciting in the food industry um, than, than that. That wouldn't have been my, my quote because I can like, and I think today after we're done this podcast, as we're finishing up, I may order my lunch from the, the Chipotle across the road. That uh-huh. is uh, a, a um, I, I would say a 30 second stroll from the, from the door of my off or, or the door of my building. Um, and, and I will walk in and pick it up off a shelf because someone has already put it there and there's no fleet of robots that are preparing right. these orders. It's just a fleet of people. Right. That, mm-hmm. And they're powered by I, not, not AI. Right. <laughs> so, but anyway, we, you know, robots, it's a, it's a topic for us on this podcast a lot. And, uh, um, uh, you know, I just, I, I, I feel, I feel like I, I, something's going to happen. You know, we've talked about the food code and cleaning and sanitizing and not having a, um, a manager or present on site. If, if something's fully automated, I think we'll get there at some point relatively soon, but I was underwhelmed by this, by this article of what robots could be doing in the food industry. Yeah, and I I ha- color me skeptical because we can't we can't even make deli slicers that can be cleaned and sanitized. Yeah, we obviously cannot make milkshake um, uh, or McFlurry machines that can be easily cleaned and sanitized. So we're gonna now make something that's a lot more complicated and expect that it's gonna all work. I just I just don't think so, right? I mean, it's there's just uh, 
yeah, it's it's a hard it's a hard problem to solve. Well, it'll it'll all work, Don, um, if Apple makes it, because it just mm. it just works. Yeah, except when it doesn't. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I, I'm I'm still. I'm still not going to go back to using a Windows machine, but I would really <laughs> like it if my headphones, my um, uh, AirPods Max would would actually connect reliably and that Siri would actually dictate reliably, um, uh, which it, it doesn't. And so that is a, a frustration that that you know, just is like a pebble in my shoe every single day. I, I do I was complaining this about this to my wife um yesterday i guess probably or maybe even this morning yeah yesterday i think it was and i gotta try maybe using my um fancy podcast microphone if i'm gonna dictate um to my computer oh, because under certain circumstances yeah. it works just fine uh, dictating to my phone almost always works fine it's just uh, sometimes my and i don't know i have, I have too many bluetooth devices right because i have got my keyboard which is bluetooth i've got my trackpad which is bluetooth uh, and I've got my headphones, which are Bluetooth. And then I've, well, and I've got a couple of different AirPods. Um, I've got my little ones and my big ones. Um, and they're also connecting to my phone and they, sometimes things get confused, but it doesn't, it seems like asking your computer, this very fancy computer with this wonderful Apple Silicon that runs so fast, asking it to connect to three different Bluetooth devices does not seem like I'm asking all that much, you know, um, right. for them to connect uh, reliably. Um, but I'm, it's not there yet. But anyway, may, maybe again, and it's a yeah, and I it seems to be different whether I'm whether I'm talking to Microsoft Word or whether I'm talking to um, BB Edit, you know, some bare bones uh, text editor, um, or whether I'm talking to a window on a web page. Yeah, all of yeah. that seems to behave differently. Um, and it's, it's frustrating that it doesn't all just work or at least expose. I mean, Apple is very good about hiding complexity from the user, which is great, but sometimes I'd like to expose that complexity a little bit just to try to troubleshoot a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, let's magnify that by having food safety issues, right? Um, oh, right. That's yeah, just, yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. my computer, yeah. right? That's not yeah, even yeah, talking yeah. about, uh, cleaning and sanitizing and following the code and, and all of that. So, yes. yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to switch, I'm going to switch gear, um, okay. a little bit here. I, so someone tagged me in, in the internet, um, uh, a, a while ago and the, not, I, I don't know if we've, yeah, I think we, we recorded one episode since then, but I didn't respond to this. Um, but I wanted to make you aware of something that I think is funny. Um, okay. okay. So I'm sending you, um, a, a Twitter status. And back in June, um, you and I talked a little bit about the daily harvest outbreak um, and that uh, there, there was a paper that came out on Terraflower. You know, we, we, we can I can't remember what episode it was in, but we right. can find that that episode um, and that I, you know, I, I gave a little tweet storm thread about it or an X, X storm or whatever it's called now. And then six months later, someone who I don't know, but has been tweets at me every once in a while um, related to Daily Harvest. I don't know if it's someone who is impacted by this outbreak, but just on that thread sent this the, sent a really interesting tweet to us. It says, thoughts on this question mark? An email from an exponent scientist to the lead scientist on the study you so much you like so much with the daily harvest attorneys cc'd then yours there's your name in this email mm -hmm. 
I hope someone can actually call them out on this bias bogus science. It's awful. I I don't like I'm not going to go back and rehash. I actually think that the paper was pretty good and we talked about it. But um, I'm going to read you this email, which I, I just found. Did you have you looked at the screenshot of this? Yeah. Yes. Yes. This is really it. So. I, who knows where this email is coming from? It's probably confidential, but now it's on the internet. So I'm going to read it. Dr. Khan, here's a link to the piece about your published paper from today's food safety news. The two commentaries, which are complementary of the research, are from respected food safety faculty members. Don Schaffner is an extension food safety specialist at Rutgers. And I have respect for him, both as a researcher and risk communicator. That's nice, Don. It's good. Yeah. I've known Don since the early 1980s. I don't know Ben Chapman as well. He is at NC State and is a food safety risk communicator. Together, these two have a podcast on food safety, C, and they send a link to Food Safety Talk. This issue may become a topic for them, so you may be contacted by them because we don't we're, we're, we don't really contact anybody. Um, we've <laughs> dealt with both as opposing experts on litigation, and this is my favorite part of this email. Yeah, Don, I love this. Don is always balanced always in balanced. his dealings. Well, Ben, which just intimating that I'm not balanced because yep. it doesn't skew. Yep, I'm skewed. Well, Ben tends to skew towards consumer anti-business opinions. Um, with best regards, Arthur Miller. I'm anti-business, Don. That's what yeah. that's what I learned from the internet today. Yeah, Art Art's a good Art's a good guy. I met Art first when he worked at USDA uh, ARS in Winmore. Uh, he worked with Bob Buchanan uh, and Dick Whiting. He was one of that team of people uh, leading modeling efforts. And yeah, and Art's Art's a good guy. I appreciate the kind words, Art. Thank you if you're hearing this. Um, but yeah, um, I uh, yeah I. I uh, 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 yeah, I, I thank, I thanks to Laura for sharing this. Yeah, right, right. But so, you know, what was weird about this for me, yeah. I feel like you and I just do things in a vacuum. I think it's yep. weird when people talk about us and we're not part of it. Like, yeah, I, it's a little it's weird. weird. Yeah. It's a little bit weird. Right. So anyway, I wanted to highlight that out. Um, you know, the, I guess, you know, thanks to Laura for, for alerting us, uh, to it and posting someone's emails on the internet so we can read them on our podcast. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I think, I think I still, I still think the article is quite good. I right. The was I mean, good. I'm, I, what is, what's, what's, what's I, can you can tell what yeah. is Laura concerned about? I don't, I don't know. Um, okay. and I, and I don't really, I'm not sure if I, I don't follow Laura, but if you look the, like Laura doesn't tweet so much, um, mm -hmm. Uh, but everything that Laura does tweet uh, is related to Daily Harvest, right? Oh, um, I think she, I, we we know her because she has a family member who is, or she was so. impacted, right? I think she, she obviously emailed got, us. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um. So, anyway, um. Yeah, I, I that was it was it's been in my th today's like cleanup follow up right for food safety talk like yeah. that was something that I remembered that I wanted to talk just well send, and so send actually you know. so we're since we're since we're talking about this she also posts another message um yes. did you see that one I um, did yeah yeah uh so this is Adam who's the chief legal officer from Daily Harvest uh, writing to Dr Khan who's the lead author on the manuscript I think. Uh, thank you again for sharing the report and the details of your research to date. In reflecting on the report, we had one additional clarification we were hoping you could make in the report. Uh, Daily Harvest and others did not focus on teriflower because it was a new ingredient. Rather, we and others included, including the FDA, focused on teriflower because it was an ingredient unique to the French lentil leek crumbles. It was not used in any other Daily Harvest products, either at the time of the recall or in the past. 
The fact that it was a new ingredient for daily harvest was not a driving consideration of our analysis. It was just the ingredient that was unique to the product rather than new. We hope the report can state that fact rather than imply that we focused on the ingredient because it was new to us. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a problem. I mean, it is. And I do, I think I do get what Laura is, is going after here. It's like, why, Oh shoot! I lost the uh, now I lost the her the tweet thread. But um, I think she's concerned. And again, I think it comes down to like what how, do people understand or what what is people's perspective? perception on how research is done, and do do people communicate behind the scenes um, when they're doing research? And 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 the answer is yes. But then yeah. the question is, well, when does that cross the line? And I think what she's saying is, oh, it's kind of highly suspect that um, a lawyer from Daily Harvest is contacting uh, scientists funded by the FDA who are writing this research, writing on this, uh, who are writing this research article. So I think I, I get, I think I get her point, right? Yeah. Um, is a, a legal counsel for daily harvest giving guidance for the study. And I, it doesn't, that email message does not look like, oh, and yeah, and she says she's, this is a FOIA request from Ole Miss. So, so that's how she was able to get it, which is yeah, good for her. I mean, it's, I, I, I think that's fine. Um, the, the, the question is, is this unethical? And I don't, I don't think it is. I mean, as I read that email, I don't, I don't think it's unethical. They're just saying, look, this is why we did what we did. Yeah. Rather than it's, it doesn't, it doesn't seem nefarious to me. I mean, if, if, if you, if you think that communicating with authors while they're working on a study that's related to your product is unethical, then I guess, you know, it doesn't matter what's in the email. Right. But based right. on what's in the email, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's unethical. I just think it's, they're just, they're just wanting to get to, to get the facts straight. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, like, I would understand, um, I kind of understand why I can speculate why, um, the daily harvest, um, lawyer would want that. Like, because we've talked about not just on, you know, food safety talk, but in, in other, um, you know, venues where we've been interviewed, just the challenges about having newly introduced ingredients into um, a North American diet from a toxicity standpoint. Right. Right. And, and that, I think this came up um, initially for me, it came on my radar uh, with the soil soylent, um, right. you know, uh, the issues about people with their watery poops. Um, yep. from, from a protein, you know, source that just wasn't something that, that we consume a lot of. And so the, the, like the idea of someone saying, well, it's not because it's new, it's because it's unique, right? Like if you say new, it implies that it hasn't been tested or that we don't have a lot of data on it, or it's not grass, which again, see a whole bunch of discussions that we've had about daily harvest over the last year or so on, on this podcast related, um, to that, but sending that email, is not like, I don't know, people can send emails all they want. Right. And ask those, right. ask those questions. What, what, whether someone does something with that email, right. Well, is it, but, is but it I guess different? even the existence yeah. of the email implies a back channel communication 
right? Which I, I think may is maybe is what Laura is is getting at. Yeah. But yeah, and I could, I mean, and I again, the 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 lawyers always have an agenda. I'm I'm assuming if they're communicating in their lawyerly job, and they're they, that the lawyer is looking to put something in the publication that may have legal consequences, right? Like to say we focused on this because it was the unique ingredient, not because it was a novel ingredient, because that could open the door for, oh, we used a novel untested ingredient and we don't want that. We don't want a scientific report to say that. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But what, like sending the email. Okay. I mean, our emails are public, right? Like, like, you know, get it. Apparently <laughs> with a yeah. FOIA request. <laughs> yeah. No, no. But I mean like our email addresses, Right. Oh, yes. Like people can find us and send us well, emails all the time saying, but, hey, you yes, should but, change this. But why? Yeah. But but again, why is the lawyer contact? If this study has not yet been published, right? If you look at yeah. so this is uh gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, that's this the, is an, an uh something that happened a correspondence from May. Um, why is the lawyer for a company emailing somebody uh about a study that hasn't been published yet? Yeah. Right. And we yeah. don't again, we don't know the context. Um but, but I do think, like, if we go back to yeah. what we talked about when that study was published, they they like in the in the study talked about um, they were able to get information from Daily Harvest about the amount that was in the survey. Uh, oh, so, the, uh, right? so, so they, that, that yeah. would imply they were already talking. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like that's not a surprise to me that they were already talking um, about it, um, and that sometimes you need that information, right, to to do the to do the science right. Um, yeah. so yeah, anyway, um, yeah. So, well, thanks for, to Laura for highlighting stuff uh, on the internet for us. Um, there was, okay. So something else. Oh, so, what? and I, I, can you remind, I, sorry to, to, uh, talk about the show on the show. Um, uh, is there another episode that is yet to be published? There is waiting. Yes. Yes. Okay. It is. And, it is edited. It will be posted. <laughs> like it is I, done. Um. I, I just need to write the. This oh, thing has everything. It, it's yes. It's, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. And in that show that will come out before this show, yes. we did talk about applesauce and cinnamon, right? I I recall yes. a very yes, long. We did. Yes. Okay. Good. Because I, I just wanted yep. to make sure we didn't lose that. So all yep. right. So that's lead that's and, and cinnamon. Then, yep. Yeah. Lead yep. and cinnamon. Yeah. Because I I did some work for a reporter and I. I think I cracked it, Ben. I think, <laughs> I think you I did too. It. I think I yeah. cracked the case, but uh, I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to. Anyway, this is this is this is making no sense to people that are listening to this. No, um, it is because anyway. they would have already listened to the other show. Let's hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, and if you don't know what we're talking about, listen to the previous episode that's already posted. Right. Um. And and I my Don, you know what I'm going to do today, and I know this is not canonical for us. Um. There's going to be a dump. There, the, the today, the last episode's gonna post, and then I'm gonna edit this one and then post it for um, I think it's gonna be tomorrow, and I'm just gonna be ca caught up, and then we'll get back on our track after that. Just to, I, I know it's not like exactly what, what people always want, like they like spacing between, but I'm, I'm just gonna give them, I, I'm gonna give the people the, the stuff that we have in the can and just go, go with it. And Ben, you know, we've discussed this, okay. The internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a dump truck. It's, it's, it's a, a series of tubes. It's a series ben. of tubes. It's a, I'm throwing them into the so, I'm throwing so into stop, two different tubes. Stop dumping in my tubes, Ben. 
I will still I will do my best to stop dumping in your tubes. Um um R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P. said Ted R. I. Stevens. R.I.P. Ted Stevens. Um okay, there was some other stuff here that I had prepared. Let me go to my notes. Because Don, you know, this is the one that I prepare for. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I also do. I still want to talk about this UK cheese outbreak. So, if yeah, you yeah, like I, I want to start doing that. You want me to do that? Yeah, you, you go. Let's talk about that, and then let's come back to uh, um, a couple other things going on. Okay, and and I have, I have, I have some thoughts. Um, and so first of all, thanks to uh, Joel, um, who who says, not sure if you guys have seen this. I thought it might be of interest, and he sends us an article to a BBC.com uh, page. And I, had you heard anything about this outbreak? So no, I mean I, I I learned about this outbreak really in in depth because I didn't do any work over the holidays. I, yeah. I learned about it yesterday when I saw ah. Joel's email, and then I saw a food safety news article about it from last week. Okay, so so I'll I'll just read from the BBC News article. Um, uh, basically, um, oh hmm, okay. D um, d how did you see Joel's email, or do you um, do you get these too? No, maybe I didn't see Joel's email. I okay. might have just said that. I only saw the food safety. I know for sure I saw the food safety news. Food safety news article. And okay. it could be possible that that I just assumed that, yeah. No, I, I, I've not seen Joel's email. Okay, it's sorry. Right. Sorry, it's, yeah. it's not relevant. It's not relevant, but... Uh, um, I'm, I'm just, I just don't always know how, um, the internet works. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, so again, uh, reading from the article, uh, a person in Scotland has died from E. coli following an outbreak of the bacterial infection in the UK linked to cheese. Um, and this is basically, uh, uh, health experts warned a few days ago that some products in the Mrs. Kirkham's range that's weird, might be contaminated and they should be recalled as a precaution. It's not clear whether the death was caused by the food. Um, uh, again, uh, UK Health Security Agency says one person in Scotland um, with the infection has now died, but no details um, about age, sex, or underlying health conditions. Um, uh, this same agency also says there have been 30 confirmed cases of shigatoxin-producing E. coli, STEC, reported across England and Scotland since late July. These people were aged between 7 and 81. I expect uh, more towards the 7 side and more towards the 81 side in that range. Um, uh, but healthy adults can get sick too. 15% uh, of the cases, well, I'm not sure if that's the 15% of these cases, but again, in 15% of cases, you can get uh, a hemolytic uremic syndrome. Um, there are uh, uh, five different cheeses recalled. Mrs. Kirkham's Mild and Creamy Lanc Lancashire, uh, Mrs. Kirkham's Tasty Lancashire, Mature Lancashire, Smoked Lancashire, and number one, Waitrose and Partners, Farmhouse Kirkland's Lancashire Cheese. Um, and again, there's the usual advice. Uh, if you have diarrhea, don't make people sick with it. Wash your hands with soap and water. Use a bleach-based product on clean... Uh, it's, it's fine. Yeah, not, not helpful. It's just helpful. Like, what's going on here? Um, don't eat traveling for this Christmas. cheese. Yeah, don't That's eat this the, cheese. Right, exactly. That, and if, if you, you want to eat the cheese... Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, in a statement, Preston's base, Mrs. Kirkham said it had been made aware of the Aztec outbreak. Here, I, this is what I want your thoughts on. A spokesperson said, consumer safety is our top priority and uh, we will not take any risk. No risk. When it comes to protecting the health of our customers, 
we are working closely with relevant authorities whilst the situation, whilst I love a good whilst, yeah. whilst the situation is developing and we've taken a precautionary decision to recall and withdraw all of our cheese from the market. Uh, we are assured that our local, that our local authority have not identified any issues or concerns with our manufacturing process. Furthermore, all the early tests carried out by government laboratories on our cheese have come back negative. Um, what is not clear from this article is this is raw milk cheese. Yep. Yep. That now, I, and let me just do a quick search. I don't think the word. Oh yes. Uh, no, withdrawn. Withdrawn. No, the word raw is there, but as a, but only as a component of the word withdraw. So. If you do a little bit more Googling of these particular cheeses, these are raw milk cheeses. So this company is doing everything within its power to stop people from getting sick, except pasteurizing its milk. Yep. And, and so, they're, yeah. you know, and it's I'm, a and soft it, cheese too, right? Yeah, it's like a soft it's, cheese. It's not, yeah. 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 When we can, we'll find, find a good review article on, um, on cheeses and, and S techs, but uh, yeah, they, they make, they make raw milk cheeses and they, 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 they proudly make raw milk cheeses. I'll see if I can find some stuff. I did, I did, I can't find it there. Yeah. Uh, 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 yes. Um, uh, nestled in the beautiful village of Gusnarg, overlooking Beacon Fell, we have been farming and producing our award-winning raw milk Lancashire cheese since 1978. Now the last raw milk Lancashire cheesemakers in the world. Well, um, <laughs> oh, let's hope, let's maybe hope not. not for long because maybe, I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, maybe they won't. Maybe there'll be none. Maybe this is the dodo. This is an, an extinction. And, and, and here's yeah. the thing: I love the fact that this small company exists. I love that they're making cheese. I'm not super keen on the fact that they're making raw milk cheese that's not a multi-month aged hard cheese it's it's a risky product to make yep you know and and if you're gonna do that um there doesn't it doesn't seem to be a it seems to be very difficult to make raw milk cheese uh, like this um and do it without incident um, again they've never had a problem since 1978 as far as we know um but i'm uh yeah i'm you know it's a risky product it's a yep, risky product yep. Let's, do you want to take a tour of this uh, of the facility? <laughs> sure. uh, because so I've I've sent you a link. Um, okay. I would like you to to scroll down to the bottom of of this link. So this is this is from the our story uh, part. Yes. Um, yes. you're 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 gonna enjoy some some of this. I think. Um, I think yeah. I th and I think this is uh, this is the thank you for finding this. This is the web page that I should have bookmarked. Um, but yes. Yeah, so so I'm looking at the story of the world's only remaining raw milk Lancashire cheesemaker. Yep. But okay. So scroll down to the bottom and, and there's a section that says, but what defines traditional? Okay. Okay. We thought yep. we put together an account of the cheesemaking day. I just want to highlight to Don, um, mm. not my favorite font um, that they use here. <laughs> uh, and I know that you, you're, uh, you appreciate a good Kern. Mm -hmm. Um, and and the G really bothers me. Uh, in, yeah. In this. Okay. Yeah, so I, I, what, yeah, what we should figure out what this what this font is. So never yes. and and never use it again. Okay. So um, at the bottom here, I want you to you'll you'll see two arrows. There's a forward and a back. Yeah. Um, don't worry about the first one. Traditional. I'll answer it for you. We thought we put together an account of the cheese making day with Graham, 
who takes us through the process. So now you can find out for yourself. We hope you enjoy the reading. And this is from Graham Kirkham, third generation cheesemaker, son of Mrs. Kirkham, of Mrs. Kirkham's cheese. Right. Um. So go hit one to the right. And here I might identify some problems here for you. Okay. okay? Uh. Quote, raw milk in the parlor. Our Lancaster, L- L- Lancashire, not Lancaster, Lancashire cheese is made with raw milk from our o- own herd of Holston Frisian cows. Using raw milk means that it hasn't been pasteurized. Okay, true. I eat heat treated. And this is key to making traditional Lancashire cheese. Quote, here's my favorite part so far. The milking parlor is next door to where I make the cheese. Hmm. And this is a fantastic <laughs> and unique thing. It it, it Fantastic is, is uh, subjective. Unique is maybe true. Like, I'd like to have some separation between the, the cow poop and the cheese making mm-hmm. area. But it means that as a cheesemaker, I'm always in touch with the people doing the actual milking, the cows, and the subtle seasonal changes in the milk. I, I, the, it's a, it's a lovely story. Always in touch and touching. Hmm. <laughs> it's, all, it's a lovely story. Might, okay, might, so it, might, be, might be some cross-contamination issues there. Yep. Yep. Okay. So it begins with the herd. Don't worry about this one so much. Skip to the next one. The starter culture. The morning milk comes in from the parlor. It's warmed in the cheesemaking vat along with the afternoon milk from yesterday. Hmm. Every, once everything is settled and there's two periods at the end of that that um uh, sentence by the way but once everything is settled i add a tiny amount of starter culture to the milk which gets things moving this is the same culture that my grandma used which means it's been used in our cheese for over 60 years now Dawn, sorry maybe... um yep since we're pointing out punctuation issues there's also two spaces between is yep. and the yep yep attention to detail that's what makes good cheese that much, yeah um so, so maybe we've got a starter culture contamination issue here. Um, mm. From milk to curds, I add a very small amount of rennet and give everything a gentle stir. The addition of rennet is what transforms the milk um, as if into solid curds. As if, I don't know. It's a weird yeah, sentence. Yeah, it is. It's the same type my grandma used all her cheese making life, the curds and whey. After a quick, quick cup of tea, it's time to check the milk, which hopefully is starting to set. Um, then I go to, uh, you know, curd starts to split away from the side of the vat. Then I go in with a special cutting blade that slices the curd into small cubes. Okay. Um, yep. A lot going on here. There's a lot of bare hand cheesing mm-hmm. going on with this. Yep. Um, based on the pictures, uh, as the curds start to knit together in the vat, I use a knife with a rounded tip to keep cutting. Then to go forward a little bit. Break. Here's my favorite part, Don. Breaking the curds by hand. Are you, th- are you there with me? I'm here, yes. Oof. The contents of this newly filled vat is then cut into larger cubes and then broken up by hand into smaller pieces, which continues to release moisture from the curd. We repeat this process of cutting, lifting, and breaking three times every hour. So I don't want your I don't want your hands on my on my raw, but I, I guess maybe the raw milk is the issue as well. But there's a lot of potential cross-contamination. If I've got a little bit of E. coli in my hands from the raw milk, now it's all over the place. Um, yeah, that, yeah, I'm, I'll skip forward a little bit here. Um, uh, you know, you can't, you can't see the, um, uh, the sort of everything you, you can't see the E. coli, but there's all, you know, if I skip forward a bunch of these, there's a lot of, a lot of hands. Um, uh, I want you to get to the cheese press. I still use the same style of presses. My mother and grandmother used. Once the cheeses have been formed in the overnight pressing, they're unloaded, trimmed, and rewrapped in cloth and pressed for another two to three hours. The presses actually look like they're pretty cleanable and sanitizable. Mm-hmm. So that's yep. good. Yep. 
<clears throat> then there's some cheese wrapping that allows the cheese to breathe without drying out excessively. Um, and then there's buttering the cheese. The cheese is smothered with butter, a final protective breathable layer that will last until the cheese is fully matured. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's it. But I, I would say that there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential for cross-contamination and, and I mean, um, having non one this is a non 0157 uh outbreak as well i don't know if you mentioned that right it's a um e coli 0145 yeah and in fact that was that was something that they didn't they call that out in the that one might that might be something that they called out in their story that it was unusual or i don't know there was some there was something about that strain that that the company was commenting on that didn't quite didn't quite comport for me so yeah yep um uh, we've been yeah so i don't know like i i don't know what to like you're you're right like i want to go back to their their comment on this what would what would a good communication venture look like for them it i don't know if you would say um that that you know, you know, I'll reiterate what you said before. Customer safety is our top priority. We will not take any risk when it comes to protecting the health of our customers. I don't know if you say at that point, raw milk is always risky. Right. <laughs> right. Like, like, it, I mean, that, that makes this, that, that makes the same, that, that makes sense from a scientific standpoint. I don't see it. I don't see Mrs. Kirkham or any other company actually um, saying that. Oh, maybe what you caught here is uh, not the Shiga toxin producing E. coli, but they, they actually uh, were made aware of an outbreak of Shinga toxin producing E. coli, um, which might be, it, I, I think that's a different, that's a different toxin, not, right. not Shiga. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Like, I mean, it, it is, it's a riskier food, right? I think having some sort of message that this, th this particular, raw milk cheese carries more risk especially a soft raw milk cheese carries more risk than than un you know than than pasteurized milk cheese i think that that's important so yeah it, it's just a little bit disingenuous to say we won't take any risk cuz they they will right like they they, yeah. they 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 there there is an inherent risk with this product right and i'm and okay I, with and that I, people know I, that well, and I'd like to know more about the aging process, right? Like what, right. what, what is it that, um, how long does it age and, and what do we know about, and I'm, I'm trying to find, it looks like there's a, uh, thesis or a dissertation from Oregon state on, uh, cheese safety parameters and aging for pathogens. But I, you know, I would, yeah, I would like to know, I would, I would be very interested to know just how long it's aged for and what the science would say about prediction of survival of listeria or uh, pathogenic E. coli in the cheese as it ages. Because I know, you know, if you do a 60 or 90 day raw milk cheese, hard cheese aging process, uh, it drives this concentration of uh, 0157H7 or, or shigatoxin producing E. coli down right significantly, quite yep. significantly. Yep. Yeah. And our, our friend Dennis D'Amico um, uh, has done, I don't, I don't know, you might have talked about this. Did you already link to this article that I'm going to send you? No. Um, behavior of different shigatoxin producing E. coli serotypes and various experimentally contaminated raw milk cheeses. De Dennis. Oh, no. Very nice. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's Dennis good. Be, yeah. He, he'd be the go-to guy on this. Oh, for sure. Um, Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's, so the, the aging process 
matters um, over over time uh, for this. And I think our friend Carl Custer has pointed this out, right? Like numerous times as well. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, tough. This is a, it's a weird, weird one um, that's going on there. Um, okay, there is. So, okay, I wanted to talk about a couple of things that happened to me over the 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 holiday break um around food safety if that if if i may if i could oh yeah sure just let me before we just just to close the loop on this um i did find the wikipedia article about lancashire cheese um and it says that it's aged from one to 24 months um so um uh yeah i i uh, hard creamy to crumbly depending on oh and pasteurized depending on variety so yeah it's uh crumbly lancashire tasty lancashire uh, let's see, tasty, uh, creamy Lancashire. Let's see, creamy Lancashire. How long is the aging process? That's one of the ones that was impacted, right? Yeah. Um, let's see, aging. One sec. Sorry, I thought this was going to be quick. Oh no, it doesn't. It doesn't say aging time is one to twenty-four months generally, but the creamy matured for a period of four to twelve weeks. So. Okay. Well, so aged, aged for four to 12 weeks. That's, that's pretty good. That's like several months potentially. Yeah. I'd be very interested in how, uh, how long this cheese was aged. Yeah. 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 Tasty um, Lancashire is uh 12 weeks to 24 months. Okay. That's good. Um, crumbly Lancashire. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, see. Yeah. And so crumbly Lancashire is matured for only six to eight weeks um so yeah i don't know we I'd, I'd like some more information on the aging process yeah yeah um okay sorry no that's all right so uh a couple of things so i was i was in canada for uh a good portion of the of the holiday uh break um i think i was there for like 10 days and um one like common topic that popped up was uh an outbreak that you and i talked about right before in the last episode um but i'll uh i'll send you a link to this food safety news article about it it's kind of the most updated information um uh about uh salmonella and in cantaloupe um in uh it, it, but but this sort of big salmonella outbreak that's happening here in the u.s and in in canada so um in canada 164 lab confirmed patients um and in the US 302 um uh illnesses um uh, and and so the reason why this came up is that like in my in my family there was a whole bunch of folks that were talking about this outbreak which doesn't always happen like this this made the national news um and and so there was a whole like you know there there's a, a drop-in party that happened at my at my in-laws house on um uh, a couple of days before Christmas where someone brought a fruit tray and there was cantaloupe in it and Ooh. then another family member was like I'm not eating that cantaloupe nope. and I was like I think it's okay because like this outbreak's been identified as coming from this particular type of fresh cut cantaloupes that were um Malakita and Rudy brands and there's no production that's happening from that. Like there's been recalled. So it would be really surprising to me that that cantaloupe came from that. But then like my, the you know family member was like, I don't care. I'm not eating. I'm, I'm off cantaloupe now. I'm not eating cantaloupe. 
Here, here's yeah. the thing, Ben. That cantaloupe is just as risky as normal cantaloupe. Right. <laughs> which, right. Which is, you know, again, and we've talked about this before. Uh, I, you know, cantaloupe is great, uh, but I, and this is a salmonella outbreak, which is interesting. A lot of times it's listeria outbreak. But here's the thing. I um, If I'm going to have uh, fresh cut fruit, I want to be the one that cuts it fresh. Yeah. Yes. I really w- don't. Again, nothing against our good friends in the food industry and in the in the the retail industry in particular. I really don't like the idea of 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 a supermarket cutting my cantaloupe for me. I understand why you would want to do it, but I'm yeah, I'm just and again, you we we we've studied this in in our lab. The inoculated cantaloupe that has been temperature abused uh, looks just like the fresh stuff. Um, so, and it looks good for a long time. Um, and so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not a big fan of cut fruit, uh, any, anytime. Yeah, no, I'm me, me too. Um, but I, I think that the outbreak was not a factor in the right. Like, I mean, I shouldn't, shouldn't say it's not a factor. It's just like, it's as risky as it always is. Um, right. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, what are yeah. the odds that this relative of yours or this friend of yours would have got sick from that cantaloupe? Um, uh, no, no, no different than normal. Right. No different than normal. Yeah. Don't, By all don't means, look. if avoid cantaloupe, if you'd like, uh, this cantaloupe was not implicated in the outbreak, right? I guess we yeah. can say that, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so then there was another thing and this is, it's not, this doesn't raise to the level of risky or not, but, um, my, Someone, someone brought, um, you know, cause it's like a, it's like a potluck, right? Like, uh, people bring food to the, to, to a, to a party. Um, and someone brought, um, shrimp, like a, a, a shrimp ring. Um, and, and it was still frozen. So are you, how are you, how are you feeling? You're with me. You know what I'm talking about? Like, a a ring of, of, of shrimp that, that has like a little spot in the middle for some cocktail sauce that you would get like at a, at a store. Have you seen this before? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure I've ever heard it called a shrimp ring, but I know exactly oh. what you mean. It's a bunch of shrimp arranged uh, decoratively in a ring with uh, some cocktail sauce in the middle. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, I think it's called the shrimp ring. I think it's funny that, that you not, uh, that you haven't heard that before. No, I've um, not heard of that. Yeah. Yeah, but also I'm going to send you a link that came up here when I Googled shrimp ring for a very Canadian place where this might be where the shrimp came from, which is M&M Food Markets, which is a frozen food. The, their business model is they only sell, sell frozen foods, which is not like a U.S. thing. So not so I, I don't. Yeah, I know. I know. It's something that we discovered. Um, after moving here. So anyway, tasty shrimp ring makes any spread, uh, spread to, uh, makes any spread, a special occasion, premium quality Pacific white shrimp meet our exact sustainability standards, come peeled, deveined tail on with tangy cocktail sauce for easy dipping. I think this might've been the exact product. So mm-hmm. this, this came to the party frozen, frozen, which it's, it's not cool. It's still, still very frozen. And so, so I'm. I'm the I'm the food safety guy, right? Like in in the family, mm-hmm. um, and people know this, so I'm hanging out in the kitchen. Someone mm-hmm. brings this shrimp ring. Yep. Everyone looks at me, and is like, "Is it safe to eat this because it's frozen?" And I'm like, "I don't I don't understand the question. Like, why? What am I missing? What would be the risk?" And they're like, "Well, it's not thawed. Can we eat it?" I'm like, "Well, sure." And they're like, "What if we left it on the counter to thaw it a little bit?" 
And then there's this whole like secondary conversation that I'm not part of where I can hear because I'm just like I'm I'm within earshot, but I'm not I'm not a party to this conversation. Uh-huh. Someone who's like, well, I don't want to leave this out on the counter with Ben here because he's like the food safety police. <laughs> he's going to make me he's going to make me do something with it if I leave it on the counter. Right. And I don't know what I w- what it would have been. And so I guess what you're supposed to do with this is you take it out of the freezer and you put it in the refrigerator and you let it thaw in the refrigerator. Okay. Right. Well, if you if you if you look at that web page that you uh, sent yep. to me and you click on cooking instructions, oh, um, it Where says uh, defrost entire ring in yes. package overnight in refrigerator. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, so do not microwave. Do not refreeze. Yeah. But so none of that. So so now we've got a we've got a food safety emergency, right? We have the shrimp ring. <laughs> it, it showed up. It showed up still frozen. Yep. Um. And and I'm now. Uh. They're they're trying to. You're like, in charge. Yeah. Well, but I'm not in charge. Like this is the thing. In fact, they're trying to to do something which I'm not sure what it is without me knowing oh, about it because they trying- think it's it's a food safety concern. <laughs> so what is it they're doing? I think they just wanted to leave it out on the counter for a little bit to thaw it, which well, if they which, had asked me, I would have been like, totally fine. fine. Yeah. Just the, like, the, as long the, as we the problem this. with, yeah, the problem with leaving it out on the counter a little bit is it's how long is this party? Well, it's not going to thing. Yeah. I, I'm concerned My, here. The risk here, Ben, well, I mean, the shrimp are risky at, at some level, right? Um, yes. The risk here is biting into a gross frozen, frozen shrimp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I thought, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was funny. So then the other thing that happened also, um, so we have our, uh, our traditional Christmas dinner. What, what have I know we've talked a little bit about this. What, what did your, um, non-secular Christmas dinner uh, situation, uh, what, what, what did, did you celebrate Christmas as a, as a dinner kind of thing? What, what happens? We, so we, well, the art, so our tradition lately has been to spend, uh, Thanksgiving and uh, as well as Christmas with my in-laws. Um, and we do that on the way to visit my family and we get, so when we, we, we leave on Christmas day, we drive up to my in-laws and then we drive on to upstate New York where we sit in our hotel room and uh, have leftovers from earlier in the day. So that's our that's our Christmas tradition. The uh, the food at uh, my in-laws was catered, which has been oh. the usual style, um, but it's a catering company that has really gone downhill. And so and it was also although all of my all of my immediate family are Swedish of Swedish origin. Um, the, my brother-in-law is married to a woman of Italian heritage and they, there are Italian traditional Christmases and that has sort of ebbed over into this side of the family because there's also my wife's aunt was married to, uh, an Italian fellow and they would do like the traditional, like, you know, pasta, Italian, Anyway, Italian style Christmas dinner, and so that's what this was basically a bunch of Italian food, um, and 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 it was it was pretty horrible. I mean, it was pretty. It was a, a, again, people have had heard lots of bad things about this catering company. They, the chef quit or is is sick, and they got a replacement chef, and that person's not very good. So it was it was pretty it was pretty miserable. Lots of really good desserts. My wife made some great desserts. Her sister made some some great desserts. Um, um, uh, we had, uh, what else did we, oh, and the, yeah. So basically some mediocre main courses and some, uh, pretty good desserts. 
<laughs> and then well, and then yeah. when we went on to visit my family, uh, we had uh, Thai food or not Thai food. We had uh, Indian food um, uh, amongst other. And then also my uh, my sister in law on on my brother's wife made um, chili one night or or I guess maybe my brother made. Anyway, we had chili one night. So not not a lot of tradition going on here. No, it's, it, so this is good. So um, the the way that that things work. Um, I guess for our family traditionally in, in Canada is that uh, Thanksgiving, which is in October, Canadian Thanksgiving, as, as we like to refer to it here on this podcast, um, there's a turkey that is cooked and then there's no celebration of U.S. Thanksgiving. And then you cook another turkey at Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. So 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 there's there, there's the same Thanksgiving challenges exist um, at, at, at Christmas of like, how do you thaw the turkey and, and do you have enough fridge space? And and so how this is typically managed in um in in port hope ontario for me growing up and in toronto uh as well um is it's usually cold enough at christmas that you leave a lot of food outside in the, outside. In the garage yeah. or on a deck covered um and so uh this week it was or last week it was really really warm it was in the mid 40s and overnight it was not dropping below like 40 so the 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 um the the garage was warm it was warmer mm. like and you know a garage is um not as it's it's insulated right so so it you know it doesn't get all the heat from the from the house but it gets a little bit and it's certainly not outside so i didn't take a thermometer out there but there were definitely leftover foods that were in the um in the garage for longer than I would have wanted them to if they yep. were in, in my house. Yep. Um, and so it was a little, and again, I, I got kind of dragged into this, not, not directly, but like similar to the emails that existed on the internet. Now people talking about me while I'm there um, <laughs> about me being the food police and, and like, don't tell Ben that we're keeping food in the garage. Um, which was a weird, it was just a weird spot to be in. So, well, and it's just like, yeah. we, you know, what we have often said, Ben is like, we'll just, we're here to help you do stuff safely, right? So yeah. it's not like don't tell Ben we're keeping food in the garage. Let's talk to Ben so he can help us manage the risk that we are dealing with um, for uh, storing food in the garage. Here's the thing, Ben. I've been thinking a lot about this uh, risk assessor versus risk manager thing, which I it's just, I always think about. Um, and in this case, they're the risk managers. You're the risk assessor. They should come to you for advice, and then they can make whatever decision they want. Right. Exactly. Yes. And and I'm good. Like I will manage my own risks, right? Like if right. you like I it'll be it'll be relatively obvious based on my decision making and what I'm eating on how I'm going to handle this, yeah. but I don't want to be like um uh, uh like a food safety pariah. Right. Within the, we, within yeah, the we family. don't we really yeah. don't want to be the food safety police. We no, just want no. to educate. Yeah. And and like I'll police my own my own decision making. Right. I will be right. the assessor and the manager. For me, for your, but for not your for own you. food. Yes. Yeah. Not yeah, for yeah, anybody exactly. else. Yeah. Not for anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. so anyway, there was that, that, that was, you know, both the cantaloupe, the shrimp, and then uh, food in the garage were my, my like experiences. Um, and, uh, and yeah. And it, but it's, it's weird. It, it's, it's weird having expertise in an area and knowing people for your entire life. Like they knew me before I had some expertise in this area. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yep. and like, like what, well, like there's always like the, well, what makes you an expert in this? And it's like, well, 
I'm not, th- th- well, that's not even a discussion right now. Right. But, I, but I'm like held to this level, but also like, but really does he know? Because I've been doing this for the rest of my, for my whole life. And, and so it's like, I don't even want to get involved in it. Don't like, I, I'm happy to answer questions if you have a question, but also I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to manage, I'm not going to be the risk manager in the right. in this situation. Cause it's your house or your, right. your, it's yeah. your party. Yeah. Um, so yeah. A- anyway. Uh, okay. The la I guess the last thing on my list that I wanted to talk mm-hmm. to you about was something that we have not talked about. And I don't know if you knew anything about this. Um, so I'm oh, sending you a perfect. link. I love these topics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Send you a link cold. Um, there was an, e- so I, I read this, uh, yesterday, um, as, as well, cause I was, I was catching up on, on my stuff. Mm-hmm. There was a food safety news article about this. Here's a, um, an article that we'll link to in Lake and McHenry County scanner about an outbreak of E. Coli that happened at a high school. And so, so the, um, health department report traces E. Coli outbreak at Huntley high school to food handler. Okay. So okay. a very, very definitive headline. Would you would you agree? What would yes. you take away from this headline? The food handler caused the outbreak. Yeah. So and they were infected. I mean, that's it, how I would interpret it. Right? Yeah. So this is really so okay. Read the article and then I'm gonna send you the report. Okay. Or let <laughs> okay. I'm gonna go through the article. So okay. th- there's a whole bunch of um quotes in the state a statement, the MCDH, which is the McHenry County Department of Health. Um, their investigation in the Aztec outbreak at Huntley High School is intricate, encompassing, and potential exposures both within and outside the, uh, within and outside the school premise. Throughout the investigation, data from numerous sources were meticulously collected, reviewed, and analyzed. Investigations in nature can vary in length due to their complexity. Um, the outbreak happened, I think, like in it was la- like where was it? September, September. So it took yeah. a re- yep. uh, um. So the report said the school cafeterias were identified as a point source location for the transmission of the illness of the outbreak. Eating a sandwich from the cold station and eating cookies from the cafeteria were found to be associated with the with illness. All 15 cases that ate lunch from the cafeteria ate a sandwich from the cold station, and all cases with information available for lettuce ate lettuce on their sandwich. Huh. Interesting, okay. right? Yeah. The outbreak at the school was linked to a multi-state outbreak. Okay. That's also interesting. Okay. Not consistent However, with being caused by a food handler. Right. However, this does not quote, this does not imply that the source of the multi-state outbreak, which is unidentified to date, is the same for the outbreak at HHS. That's true. And the, I guess it really depends on what you mean by linked. Yeah. I'm assuming it means that it's the same strain. It is. And there was a the multi-state outbreak. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So okay. So, so I'm not going to go into the details of that, but like, yes, that's what the, the, that's what it, what it says. It is likely that the multi-state outbreak and the outbreak at HHS share a common source by a student or staff member. And then that member became ill with STEC after exposure to the source of the multi-state outbreak. Okay. Once introduced to the school, STEC was transmitted primarily through the cafeteria. Okay. The report concluded the likeliest scenario, likeliest scenario is that the infected food handler failed to wash their hands correctly, which resulted in contamination of food services or food items. So then, okay, so that that's the end of the article. Okay. Let me send. I'm going to send you the um, the the, the report, and that's re- that's linked at the end of the article, right? It is. Yeah. Okay. And here here's a direct link to it that I just sent you in the um, in the chat. Um, page 23 of this report. Is where I want you to go to. Um, I'm glad that this, you've done your homework here. 
I did my homework. Uh, on this it would take a long time to get long time to get to page twenty three. Okay, I'm yeah. on page twenty three. Okay, second paragraph on page twenty three is the yep. most likely mode of the transmission of tech in this cafeteria was through an infected food handler. At the time of the investigation, uh, a food uh, a food handler that worked at both the cold sandwich station providing garnishes, lettuce and cheese to the sandwiches, and at the cookie station was confirmed by PCR to have intermittently shedding stack shigatoxin two. Okay. Okay. The laboratory was unable to perform a culture of the stool specimen, which is indicative of an insufficient amount of pathogen present at the time of testing to culture. So they couldn't find it in the stool, but they found it by PCR. So okay. they, they couldn't culture it. The food okay. handler denied illness. Okay. However, since most infections are self-limiting and most individuals do not see healthcare and or not tested, and since it's been documented that STEC can be shed for up to 62 days, it is likely that the food handler was previously mildly ill it did not associate this illness with the outbreak investigation. Since the shedding of the pathogen declines over time is not unexpected. The culture could be, cannot be performed. Um, uh, and so the reason why they think that it was improper, uh, hand washing, and I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna, ar- I, I, I'm not gonna argue with this one. Right. Like, so they say during observations of the food handling procedures at AHHS, two food handlers were observed failing to utilize a barrier to turn off the hand sink. This confirms that even in a kitchen with trained staff where hand-watching is encouraged, a breakdown in technique can occur, particularly when staff are extremely busy or distracted by multitasking. True. This illness illness outbreak, the likeliest scenario is that the infected food handler failed to wash their hands correctly or thoroughly enough or frequently enough, which results in the contamination of either surfaces or food items in the cold sub-sandwich station and the cookie station. This allowed transmission of the pathogen uh, through contact with surfaces, blah, blah, blah. I I think, like, I don't know. I read most of the 20 pages of this report. Mm-hmm. Um, looked at some of the appendices cursorily. I I think it could also have been the food. Could have been yeah. the lettuce. Yeah. Could also it's it's pretty unlikely that it's the cookie. There could have been some cross-contamination that that happened. Um that uh but but i i don't know like it just seems like it I, what caught my eye was the headline right because i'm always interested how do we know it was the food handler right and i think that the information is it's there like i could if i was an expert witness on this i could certainly argue both sides of this pretty yep. easily agreed uh, and and say more likely than not, it came from the lettuce or it came from the from the tomato. More likely than not, maybe the food handler themselves was ill because they were also ate the lettuce, right? Exactly. Like at the same time. So um, but it it the, this one, so if I it, like the, the I just I, I want to highlight the challenges in making broad statements um in I guess reporting because I don't like, I would say that the report itself does not rule out the food. They, they do say, um, uh, where was it here in their executive summary? Where was this? Um, no, I guess it's not, it's not the executive summary. Basically it's that, that area. They, they, they're highlighting that they think it was, um, from the, you know, from the food handler and in their statement, that's what they say. But I don't know, I guess like we, I mean, I, I, I don't feel as confident 
in in that that it was could have been could have been the food handler could have been the food tough to say either way definitely an outbreak happened how do you like you know not seeing someone if if i saw people skipping hand washing i think that's different or if there was like no bare hand if there was bare hand contact with the food which they don't mention that at all in the outbreak then now i'm worried about it but not seeing someone use uh, one use paper towel to turn the tap off. I just think is unlikely the case. Yeah, for- it seems like a, a real stretch. Um, and yeah, and so another thing that's interesting. So I'm looking at the report, the appendices to the report. Um, I scrolled past it. Let me see if I can find it here and tell you which page I'm looking at. Here it is. All right, on this is on page. I don't know what because it's not numbered. Oh, page 110. Um, the, uh, table two laboratory results for all cases. Um, uh, they have four positive cultures from, uh, from, from four of the infected individuals and they have a WGS number, which is P N U S A E one five. And then the last four digits are different. So the question is, what does that mean? Mm. And I'm, I'm not sure that you know the answer. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Um, so does that mean that these are all different um, sequences, right? And again, we don't know. Yeah, we don't have we don't we don't have whole genome. So obviously, they were able to link this to other cases as part of the multi-state outbreak yep. through the four positive stool cultures, which did not include the worker. Right? Yep, a hundred percent. Yep. So. I'm yeah, I'm just and it was yeah, only I'm, that they were shedding shigatoxin two, not that they were linked WGS to the to the national outbreak. Right. Right. Yep. They had uh yep. yeah, so unable to I- isolate a culture, uh shigatoxin two positive, which is consistent with the all the others, then none of the other cases are shigatoxin one positive. Uh, most of them are shigatoxin two positive, but again, yep. not all of them because again, not, but uh, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a weak, it's a weak, I like I said, you could argue, you could argue both, yep. both. It's not a strong case either way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But, but the, that's not what the headline says, right? Like the headline right. is, yep. This report, Tracy E. coli outbreak. So how, how terrible is it for you to be that food handler? Right. Oh, like, that's I know. What that's I what about. I was thinking. Yep. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That that's the one that that I really kind of you know um yeah so yep 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 yeah and I I would want to yeah I'd want to ask more questions like w- w- tell me more about the multi-state outbreak tell me more about the window when people got sick tell me more about the the food yep. worker and when they might have had some symptoms yeah it's it seems a quite a stretch to pin it on poor hand washing yeah yeah. But but again, like I I don't want to um I, I don't want to call out the health department, you know, for this because I think they actually they they do a pretty good job saying hey we can't rule out these other things. This is the thing that we think is the most likely, but that turns into another like it doesn't get translated very well in the in the coverage of the report. Um. Yeah, yeah so. I mean, it is it is true that the report concluded that the likeliest scenario was that an infected food handler failed to wash their hands correctly, but I. I, yeah, I I think yeah I I don't know I mean we don't we don't we we just like to pretend that we're epidemiologists yeah, we're, we're not, not actually epidemiologists but it, this seems weak to me yep yep 
Agreed. Um, I think that's a show. That's all. That's all I had in my uh, in, in my preparation for for this one. That's that's my show. Um, well, that's good because I uh, I also did prepare a few things which we talked about. So yeah, uh, I am also um, uh, feel uh, that we've we've covered everything that I wanted to cover. Well, good. All right. Well, um, I'll I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you soon. Um, okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. That's really a weird one. So this came across your oh from was there a food safety news article? Food, yeah, food safety news. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was like I, I spent some time yesterday watching uh TV and just reading food safety news, be like, what's happening in the world of food safety? Because I haven't paid attention. And then I saw this and I was like, Oh, that that's like exactly my my world of food handler. Um so and they can't remember what their article said. Oh yeah. Basically they they use a coral used the exact same headline. Investigation finds infected food handler behind E. coli outbreak at school. Mm. So, yep. Um. All right. So, what does? Let's look at. I'm out on the fifteenth of January. If I'm looking forward here. I'm going to go like I am going to go ahead and post. I edited stuff for the last episode. I'm going to do this one, too. So it will be like three. This will last episode will come out today. Today's episode will come out tomorrow. And then we're then we're clear. OK, you and you know, you can you can post you can do all the work to post it on Squarespace and then just delay. True. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll delay. Hey, it's your show. You do what you want. Yeah. I just want to get it done. Yeah, I understand. So. Okay, the week of that's not a good day. January sixteenth is not great. I've got so I am here. The seventeenth and eighteenth are pretty good mm-hmm. for me. Um, I'm, we're hosting. I don't think I told you this. Um, uh, Carmen Julian Cruz, who used to be the um, she was the mayor of um, San Juan, Puerto Rico, 
uh, right after Hurricane Maria or when Hurricane Maria came through. She she's coming to speak in um, here at NC State. We're hosting cool. her for three days. Yeah. And so she's doing she just started a nonprofit over the last year that focuses on like agriculture and sustainability and youth uh, in trying to re- rebuild um, and revitalize Puerto Rico. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, so anyway, she's going to be here the 17th, 18th and 19th. I don't, I'm not hosting her for the whole time, but, um, but I could do like the, let's see what, when does this look like? 10 30. I could do the afternoon of the 17th. I have a couple of meetings that make, uh, I would have to start at noon. Oh, yeah. I can't do that. Um, yeah. I could do the, um, morning of the 18th before 11. So I have to give my very first lecture <laughs> to an undergrad class oh, um, of the semester at, at 12 o'clock that day. Um, uh, yeah, that, you might want to prep for that. I, I will prep for that. Um, I'm really not looking forward to dealing with undergrads, but I have to because I'm the department chair and um, I guess I could have told somebody else they were doing it. <laughs> But Maybe the person that usually teaches it is the former department chair who's in Mauritius, uh, working on food safety. Um, you see the Richard fingers. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, but it's I, fine. Yes. Um, so I could I could do it. Um, earlier would be better. Earlier is awesome. Like, so I mean, you tell me how early you want to do it. Um, if that's okay, yeah, eight thirty. Yeah, eight thirty is great. Yep, perfect. Let's do that, um, and then we can figure out risky or not. Oh, we've got a risky or not on the uh, on the books. Oh yeah, we, yeah, yeah, but we, we yeah. figure it out. Yeah, we can do it the tomorrow. next one. Yeah, we yep. can figure that one out tomorrow because yep. we'll see how many we get done. Yep. Um. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Um, I will, uh, I'll go ahead and, uh, edit this and post it. Cool. And I will get these links, uh, up to the Dropbox in just a minute. Awesome. And the chat for zoom still works for you. Like that's your, that's your, where you want to do it. Yeah. It's the, the, uh, messages was fine. Um, except for this morning I went and I was logged out again. Um, but it's, oh. it, yeah, it's, it's just as well to put it in, in zoom. Um, it just keeps it, keeps it more, um, yeah, more clean. So yeah. That's it's, it's if you don't mind yep. putting it no. there, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, no, I just I forgot to ask you again because I remembered it was because your phone was not going to like you were having to go from your phone to your um to your computer. But yeah, Zoom works. It's totally okay. good. Cool. cool. And I wonder there's gotta be a way to do it because we record this, right? Like there's gotta be a way to dump these um these links automatically from Zoom into something. Oh, you yeah. yeah, but it's but I've already got the Brett Terpstra um, yeah, yeah. thing for doing that. So it's 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 literally a couple of keystrokes and then a little bit of editing to clean it up if it's a PDF that doesn't have the title in the right place in the markdown. So cool, awesome. All right, well, uh, all right, I am good. All I right. will t- I will talk to you later. Sounds good. Okay, bye bye.